Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This week, I've got Alex Christensen, Ryan Corkwell, and Jeff Stringer of Vantage Point Archery. If you are not familiar with Vantage Point Archery, they are making American-made broadheads, and it looks like there are some new products on the horizon. They weren't quite ready to discuss any of those in today's episode, but we did get into what makes this company unique. And guys, I'm not sponsored by VPA or anything like that, but let me tell you, this is one of those brands that... You know, I feel like you just you just click with when I had the opportunity to speak with them. Their care for their employees comes through. Their pride in the fact that they are bringing an American-made product to the market. Their commitment to excellence and research and development and trying new things and listening to the hunter. Uh, those things all come through in this episode and has really given me a great appreciation for them. I'm looking forward to giving these heads a shot this year. And I think that you should give them a look as well, no matter what kind of broadhead you like to shoot. I'm looking at their website right now. And man, if you just go on here and look around, they have got a ton of different broadheads. So whether you like to shoot single bevels or uh, double bevel broadheads or two blade, three blade broadheads, whether you like something more traditional, vented looking hundred grain broadhead, or whether you want a, you know, a 300 grain tomahawk up front, They've got you covered, and one of the things that we jump into on this episode is their new Omega Broadhead, which solves a lot of the problems that I have been having with uh, some single bevel heads on the market that I just wasn't happy with, namely uh, some some chipping and cracking and breaking on that front edge, and two, they're so darn difficult to, to sharpen. And I don't know about you, but I don't have, you know, with three little kids running around at home and trying to run... Uh, a couple of different businesses at this point, I don't have the time to sit around and sharpen broadheads for fun. Like, that's just not my idea of a good time. Playing with my kids? Yeah, that's my idea of a good time. Hanging trail cameras? Yep, that's my idea of a good time. Shooting in the backyard? Definitely my idea of a good time. Sitting down for an hour and a half trying to get a single broadhead, hair popping sharp? That's not my idea of a good time. And I think these guys have solved that problem with their new Omega head. So we're going to talk about what makes the company unique, what makes the broadheads that they create unique, and especially this Omega broadhead. And then we talk a little bit about deer hunting, because after all, that's uh, that's what we're all thinking about this time of year. So if you're in the market for some new broadheads, head over to vparchery.com and check out their uh, full line of products. I think, you, uh, I think you're going to find something for you, even if you like to uh, small game hunt. They've got these uh, heads called the Small Game Thumper. And man, these look these look really really cool. So I'm excited to get some of those out and and maybe do a little bit of bow hunting for squirrels. A little bit of an update for me, guys. I am so far behind 
on whitetail chores right now. It is absolutely ridiculous. As you know, I've been doing some habitat consulting for landowners in Georgia, my home state of Georgia, and also doing some virtual consultations and that kind of thing. And that has kept me hopping. We are getting close to deer season and everybody wants to get their property dialed in, which is fantastic. That's great. I'm glad. Uh, my own whitetail chores, though, have fallen a little bit behind. I've got a couple more weeks before I need to go and plant my own food plots. But when it comes to the public land work and getting boots on the ground, uh, man, I just haven't done a lot of it. I wish I could have. I've done some map scouting, uh, a, a good bit of map scouting, actually. But as far as boots on the ground and being able to make the trek over to the public land piece, that's kind of my uh, my new home here in Georgia, uh, I just have not been able to put in the time. But that's okay. My plan for this fall is to spend a lot of time uh, hiking the hills, walking, checking the bottoms, checking the thermal hubs, and just trying to find a hot feed tree, especially here in the early season. You know, because I don't have a target buck in mind or anything like that, uh, I am very much going to be viewing this season as a time to scout and familiarize myself with the property. I did, however, get out the other night and do a little bit of glassing. And here's a tip. I mentioned it last year, but if you're a guy in the deep south and you think to yourself, well, we don't have ag fields, we don't have soybean fields where we can get out and glass, we don't have alfalfa where we can get out and glass in the evenings. One of the things that I started doing, uh, I've done it for a while actually, but I put a little bit of effort into it last year and it paid off. And then this year as well, checking large patches of kudzu in the evening. Now, you know what kudzu is if you live in the south. It's this invasive vine that just absolutely covers everything. I remember when I was a kid, we had it on our uh, on one of our deer properties on the lease, and uh, we just could not get rid of the stuff. And we ignored, really, an entire area because of the kudzu. It was so thick. But every time I would go through there, I would notice, man, there's, there's deer sign like crazy around this stuff. And I had no idea why they were there. Well, it turns out deer really love to eat kudzu during the summer. I'm noticing them hitting it like a bean field this time of year and actually saw a really good buck right down the street from my house. Now, it's a spot that's really tough for me to glass, and it was on a property that there is likely no way possible that I can get permission to hunt there. But it is surrounded by some other properties that there is some potential for me to gain permission to hunt. So that's going to be my focus here in the next couple of weeks is trying to gain permission on some of these spots right here around my house. Some folks who have, you know, 5, 10, 15 acres of land that maybe they'll let me hunt on. And if I can get one or two of those pieces, that's going to be great. Now, uh, you know, urban bow hunting is not really my thing. And I wouldn't really call where I am uh, urban bow hunting. It's a little more rural than that. Uh, People have large tracts of land. You know, I'm not going to be you know, hunting on a two acre property where I'm sitting next to somebody's basketball court or something like that. I'm not opposed to that. That's just not the, uh, not the way that I'm going to be hunting because we just don't have that as much around here. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be my plan. I hope your summer plans are coming along. Well, as you're out there doing your planting, as you're out there setting up your trail cameras, as you're out there shooting your bow, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're taking pictures of that stuff, man, tag me in it. I'd love to be able to keep up with what you guys are all doing this time of year. I've had a little burst here recently of uh, listener feedback and folks, you know, asking me questions about the upcoming season. And man, I love that stuff. It's one of my favorite parts of this job is the interaction that I get to have with all of you. So if you want to keep up with me, you want to reach out to me, you want to tag me in your pictures, you can find me on Instagram at how to hunt deer. 
or at the Wisconsin Sportsman. Now, just a quick thanks to those who support this show and help me do what I do each and every single week. Number one, Onyx. I've got to, I've got to highlight Onyx, guys. They have, uh, they're putting out an update here very, very soon with some very, very cool new features for the Onyx Hunt app. And, uh, man, I, I'm going to talk about just one of them today. It's coming soon. Uh, I got the email a couple of days ago before things kind of uh, were officially announced. I got the email today. Looks like things are officially announced, so I'm going to talk about it just a little bit. Uh, They have fixed the problem with trail camera management. Now, there are a few uh, trail camera management software platforms out there that are really, really good. In fact, one used to be a partner of the show, and uh, I loved using that platform. I have used it even, you know, here recently. But the Onyx Hunt app has solved the problem that I have had with a lot of these, and that is that you either have to have the app or the management software that is specific to your trail camera company or brand, or you couldn't use a cell cam. You had to use the SD photos. You could not wire the uh, cell cam photos to your software. Well, as I'm looking at Onyx, here's what they say. Through partnerships with the leading trail cam manufacturers, you can connect your cell cameras with Onyx Hunt to create the foundation of your trail camera management. So what this means is you are going to be able to import, connect somehow the photos from your cell cams straight to the pin on your Onyx Hunt app. Now, I am stoked about that. I'm excited to learn more about that. When I do know more about that and have the ability to explore this a little bit further, you better believe I'm going to be bringing you a quick video, probably, uh, on Instagram. But definitely, um, you know, talking about it a bit more on the podcast. But what an awesome new feature from Onyx. Guys, with this update this year, they are solidifying themselves as the leader when it comes to mobile mapping apps for hunting. So go check them out, onyxmaps.com, or you can find them on the app store of your choice. Next up, Tacticam. I mentioned the other day I was able to get eyes on a very nice buck for, for where I'm at in Georgia, out in some kudzu. And what I did not have with me was my Tacticam Spotter LR, and that meant that I was not able to get crystal clear 4K footage of this buck. Now, I was able to see him. I was able to snap a blurry picture with my cell phone, but it would have been really, really nice to get zoomed in, good video of him so that I can start putting a plan together, especially as I start putting out my reveal cell cams on these properties that I am hopefully going to be getting permission on. But if you haven't seen the Spotter LR, what that does, it attaches to your spotting scope and allows you to take 4K footage of whatever you're looking at with your spotting scope. So whether you're heading out west this fall, or whether you are glassing bucks in the soybeans or the alfalfa of the Midwest, the Spotter LR is going to be an incredible scouting and hunting tool for you. So head over to Tacticam.com to learn more about that, and also see their full line of products like their 6.0 camera and their full line of mounts that are made for hunters by hunters. And then last but not least, we've got Huntworth. Guys, Huntworth has changed the game for me. When it comes to technical camo that is comfortable and lightweight and not bulky, but at an affordable price for the everyday guy, uh, Huntworth takes the cake. This time of year, I think you should be looking into the Durham lightweight pants. Uh, One of my favorites, the men's Gadsden top, which is like a quarter zip top, or the Fallon lightweight long sleeve. Um, I will hunt in short sleeve shirts. I've got a Huntworth short sleeve shirt. It's fantastic. 
I really like to have my arms covered up, though, because when I don't have my arms fully covered, I just feel like I'm naked. I feel like I'm hanging out there, and I feel like that skin is going to be really, really visible. But that Gadsden top with the quarter zip, super lightweight, super comfortable. If you're out there on those 80-degree days, 85-degree days in the early season, that's going to keep you cool. Pair that with the Durham lightweight pants, and it is an unbeatable combo. So head over to their website, huntworthgear.com, to learn more. Get yourself geared up for this fall. Now, it would mean a lot to me if you would go support the partners that support this show. Uh, man, they, they make it possible. They make it possible for me to do this, for me to bring you awesome content, for me to go on great hunts, for me to uh, really pursue my passion as my career. So I'm super grateful to them. I hope you are too, and I hope you go and show them some love. And that about wraps things up for this intro. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the podcast is Alex Christensen, Ryan Corkwell, and Jeff Stringer from Vantage Point Archery. Guys, how's it going today? It's going good. It's going good. 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 Well, thanks for coming on the show. This was kind of uh, kind of quick. We we talked, and it was like, well, when could we record? And it's like, how about tomorrow? And uh, <laughs> so I appreciate y'all being flexible and and jumping on and taking the time to, to chat a little bit today uh, about your products, about broadheads. And uh, it sounds like there may be a few other things uh, coming, but I was shocked. I got to say, I was surprised when I went to your website and started checking things out and realized just the depth of offering that, that you guys have. I mean, a ton of different kinds of heads, uh, all the way down to field point heads and, or uh, not field point, but the, uh, small game heads. And I was like, the man, thumpers, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, and, and the name is incredible by the way, the <laughs> thumpers on those, that that's awesome. But, uh, why don't we kick it off? Just tell us, you know, who you are and what you do with the company. Alex, we'll start with you because you were the first one I I talked to. Yep. So I'm Alex Christensen. I handle all our marketing here at VPA. All right. How long have you been with the company? Uh, A year and a half now, I think. So I graduated college and then started right away. So yeah, a year and a half. Awesome. Good deal. Next up. My name's Ryan. My name's Ryan Corkwell. I am in the sales side of VPA. All right. How long have you been with... uh, We've been at VPA. Jeff and I bought the company um, about five years ago now. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm Jeff Stringer. Um, try to do whatever I'm told. And uh, yeah, just trying to trying to build this company out of out of what it was to what we want it to be. So Yeah, excellent. Yeah, when we talked beforehand, off air just a little bit, uh, Jeff said he just hangs out. So that's Jeff is the Jeff is the official hangout guy. So uh, if you never need anybody just to call and chat with, I guess Jeff would be the <laughs> Jeff would be the one because he's just hanging out anyway. So, uh, well, or if you got any openings to go hunting, call me first. There you go. You got a spot. If you oh, got a spot. Oh, second. Why can't I come too? Because you're busy. You got something. Okay. To do. Yeah, yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> you've, you've got broadheads to sell, Ryan. Look, you've got- <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, hey. I'd love to hear a little bit about um, about the company, its history, and it sounds like you guys bought it about five years ago. Uh, and so I would even love to hear about that transition process, like maybe how you found it and, and where you see VPA going in the next five years. Yeah, so I guess to start off, uh, VPA started in like 2008, 2009. So we have another part of our business called Absolute Machining, and we still have that part of our business, and that's how it all started. So one of our head machinists, head engineer, Jeff Miller, wanted to make his own broadhead. Uh, He just found a need in the market for that. He was a big traditional bow hunter. Um, So he made his own head. I think Ryan was a a three-blade 
250 grain. Okay. Yep. So yeah. that was our first head. Wow. And from there, he just told his friends about it. And it really just started off word of mouth. Wow. Started off with a 250 grain head. Okay. So slinging tomahawks down the down the range all day long that's yep. awesome it was foc before foc was out there right before yeah before <laughs> before it was cool right uh yeah and it you know it's interesting looking at the progression of archery over the years heavy arrows and foc were cool before we even knew knew about it like we you know people have been shooting heavier broadheads and and heavier arrows for a long time but uh so let's hear about ryan and jeff how, how did you guys get into the business take things over and Maybe where was it, like, what opportunity did you see? Because when I think about the broadhead space, I think, man, this, it's pretty crowded, right? Like, there are a lot of offerings out there. Uh, but from what I've seen and know of you guys at this point, it seems like there are some things that are really, really unique with you. Um, but for me, that would be intimidating, stepping into a space that's pretty full. So, you know, how did that pique your interest? And, and maybe what, what opportunities did you see to grow it? Yeah, I actually found the company. I was, I was looking for some other parts to be made and was referenced to come over to Absolute and look at it. So I walked in, um, and great guys that owned it, but it was pretty dank, dark shop. Uh, they, they were cranking out a ton of, of material, but not, not at the right margin. So I walked in, looked around, and was interested in the company even before seeing the broadhead side. Mm. And they walked me over to the broadhead side, and I'm a hunter, so I'm like, wow, that's cool. I want to own that, whether it makes money or not, just own a broadhead company. <laughs> but once once we really started digging in, I started looking at the margins. It, it was a no-brainer. And then what really drives us is we have, a, we have 30 families that we're watching out for, that we make sure that they can make a good living, put their kids through college, retire. And that's what we built this business around is how do we – not just on the broadhead side, but how do we make that next step and bring in good U.S. made products that we can help design, that we can help some innovation into, that we like using ourselves, and that's really how it's taken off. Our offering on the on the broadhead side's grown since we became part of it, and what we've tried to do is upgrade our equipment so you're getting a high quality one piece, hardly any run out on the end of ours. I mean, nothing's ever perfect, but we're close to perfect as you can get and then just make sure that we're putting that value back in so when somebody buys something from us you walk away feeling hey i spent my money well instead like you said earlier you said something about one and done there's a ton of broadheads out there no doubt about it and there's some really good broadheads whether you're mechanical or your your fixed blade but there's not a whole lot of broadheads that you can shoot we were just watching a video before this where they they're in africa right now and they're shooting the same broadhead through eight, nine, ten different animals. And we're, wow. we're not talking birds and quail and things like that. We're talking ibex and water buffalo Elins and yeah. buffalo. And, wow. and they're picking these things up. Sometimes the arrow doesn't make it through, but the broadhead does. They throw it on another arrow and shoot it. That's what we're looking for. We want to be the blue-collar hunter's broadhead, and you just get a good quality broadhead. And then we, we white-label for a bunch of people, too. You know, it's not just making our own broadheads, but we're a machine shop, and um, we invite anybody to come out. And, you know, we try to look for products that we enjoy using, too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious when it comes to, um, you know, the expansion side of things, you guys are, it looks like you have such a full lineup 
Uh, what does that development process look like with you? I mean, how do you step back and design the next broadhead? Because I'll be honest with you, I look at some of the broadheads that are out there on the market, and I'm like, some goober who's never shot an animal in his life sat in a room and thought, you know what would be cool? And an engineer said, you know what, I bet we could build that, and it wouldn't totally fall apart right away. And they, they sell it. You know, that, that seems to be like the, the way some companies approach it. So I'd love to hear more about your approach, how you're, how you're solving problems that bow hunters have with your, with your heads and your offerings. I think First, the, the, go ahead, Jeff. Well, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to go, but you go. First, we listen. You know, you, you look at the Omega that came out as we had, we had tons of people saying, we love the idea of this single bevel, but we hate sharpening them. You got to buy a jig. It's such a pain in the butt. Everybody's angle's different. If somebody would only make a single bevel, you could sharpen on a stone. Well, we got the right people. Um, talked to them. Daryl Barnett's one of them. Um, our team, and we came up with this single bevel, and it's it's a bone crusher. I mean, that's the, the guy that we're talking about that's using the head over and over and over in Africa. Actually, we got two or three of them out there right now. That's what they're using is the new Omega, and it's it's double. Uh, we'll have to get you a picture, but it's a, a Cape Buffalo double shoulder, double lung through the top of the heart. Pulled it out, wow. shot the next animal with it. I mean, that's just, that's the Ashby type testing and it's just proven. And that's how we do it is we, is we listen. Yeah. Ryan, did you want to add something to that? I, th- I think the, the other side on our design team is like, they're not afraid to go back to that guy that says, Hey, here's my drawing. Here's my, my CAD files. Here's my solid works and be like, Hey, that's not going to work. Mm. Like, yeah, we can, we can do this, but the the design guys are always like, Hey, we need that we need to change this. Like if we don't we can use a three thirty second ball end mill on this all day long and get this machined out, but that cost on this head is gonna be through the roof. You're never gonna hit the market. Or like they might even say, That's a three blade with three bleeders with a ton of stuff going on. It's you're never going to make your money back on this by the time. So we work that throughout the R and D stage of with guys trying to prove them out before we even put them on a machine, because we want to make sure that their heads are going to work. They are going to fly. They're not just wasting their money. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really, really good point. So I do want to hear more about this Omega and uh, I don't do this a lot on my shows, but I had enough trouble and spent enough money on these heads that I'll, I'll throw I'll throw somebody under the bus here. So I was shooting the Grizzly Stick Samurai heads, which to me they looked really good. They're you know had a nice angle to them. They're 200 grains, so I'm you know and then I've got a or I had a uh, probably a 50 grain insert up uh, or outsert insert outsert up front, and so I'm thinking I'm pushing some some weight right. You know I'm I'm flinging these things, and that year I shot uh, three deer with it. And each one came out of the other side so mangled and so shattered on that edge that I couldn't use it again. I, there was no way. I mean, the, the, the nicks were too deep in the blade. Um, and that kind of, that really turned me off to, to single bevel heads. I mean, obviously, I didn't want to lump everybody in the same category. But at this point, I'm, you know, $250 deep in, in all these heads that I've bought. And I'm like... Man, I, you know, and I, and I bought a bunch of them because I couldn't figure out how to get them sharp very well. So I was like, I'll figure out the sharpening later. I'm just going to buy another pack, you know. And so I end up really, really deep in these heads, and they're just not performing like I want. 
but then I see uh, this head like you guys have the Omega. And one, it sounds like you've solved the problem of sharpening that a lot of guys have had. Uh, and two, it, it sounds like they're really, really tough. So I'd, I'd love to hear just a little bit more. But before I go into that, I do just want to say I, I've talked to a lot of guys, both in the hunting industry and outside of the hunting industry, that just say, I don't have the time to sharpen broadheads. Because when I sit down, yeah, I can get them sharp, but it'll take me an hour and a half you know, to get to get these heads where I want them to be. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, the Omega, how you guys came up with this design and how that solves the problem of, uh, one, toughness and durability, but two, um, you know, helping guys get them, get them sharp again after, uh, after use. Yeah, so I guess I can start. It all goes back to listening to our customers as far as how our design process goes when we're putting new products to market. So our single bevels, I think we launched two years ago, and they've been our best sellers since we launched them. But the feedback we get is um, they can be difficult to sharpen. They can be time-consuming to sharpen. And it's kind of a just depends on the customer. Some people want to take the time to do that and really make it their own, and, and they enjoy doing that. But then there's people that want it ready to go out of the package or just a few minutes into it. So we really took that, that feedback to our design team. Nice, nice. And describe the head for me. What was that question again? Oh, yeah. D- just describe that Omega head for me. It's it's hard for people. You know, people won't be able to see it. I'll, I'll post use a picture. Yeah, you can use that. <laughs> okay. So it's really like it's a single bevel on one side here, right? On this side here. Let's do this right. So it's that single bevel. And then up front, you have your double bevel. So you're gonna, it's going to come sharp on this side on your single bevel. And then on this side is your pressure side where you're going to actually get that and run it flat on your stone. We've done a lot of testing in the shop as far as like on like how long is it going to take? How long should guys spend on this? What's what's the normal sharpening time? I've got we've got a guy, a, a guy call him a kid, but he's not a kid. He's 18. He's so much better at sharpening than me that it, it kind of frustrates me because I felt like I've been doing this a lot longer. <laughs> it takes him right at. It takes him right at like seven minutes ahead to get him hair popping sharp. Wow. And I, that doesn't seem like a, like for me, I'm in that 10 to 12 range. I'm sure other guys are going to be longer or shorter, but to get them like razor sharp, it really doesn't take that long. And you're just running them flat on a stone, both sides to get the front, to get that front tip, to get that double bevel. And then that micro bevel on the back to get them really sharp. Yeah. And so, what, for those of you who are maybe just listening and you can't see the picture here, it's got a it's machined into the head is a flat spot. I don't, I don't know what you guys even call that, but it's it's a flat the spot. Flat so single bevel. You don't yeah. need anything, no jig, no anything. You just lay that thing flat on a stone and run it back and forth, correct? And and that gets it correct. That gets it uh, plenty sharp. So and they're they're coming sharp from the factory as well. I saw in one of your videos they are. Uh, they're ready to go pretty much out of the box. Me and Ryan would yes. every every broadhead we get, I don't care how sharp it is, we pull it out, sharpen it again anyway. And there you go. You know, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Sharpen it and sit in the tree stand and sharpen it. And you know, we have no hair on our arms, you can shave it off. But I think when you look at that head, you gotta go back and um, we took something that's with Daryl Daryl Barnett, he came up with that design. Did all the engineering, looked at the angles, looked at the compound angles, 
and then we took it and figured out how to manufacture it. And then Ryan shot it through, I don't know how many shoulders, a couple dumpsters, the side of the building, three or four rocks. <laughs> get, I only hit the building once. I only hit the building once. Okay? I was going to say, was, was the building intentional or is that a, was that an oops moment? I think it that blew through 20 moment. targets, right? You didn't have enough targets yeah. for that guy. Uh, I don't know. But it created it that chatter you were talking about. So it went back to the drawing board. We're not going to tell you how many iterations it is, but that is not Rev 1 that hit the market. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was going through engineering, trial and error, what are the issues, take it back, check the harness, check the sharpening, check the angles, take it back. So it was definitely a group effort that came out, but kudos to Daryl for coming up with the idea of the compound angles to make that thing work. And Again, it was it was a customer saying, hey, I'm tired of – having to buy all these jigs to sharpen it and then everybody's angle is different. So help. That's what we did. And we're not done helping. We've got some other things coming out that will be neat like that. Very cool. I, I had some other, uh, some other heads that I got and it was, you know, they're supposed to be this angle. So you buy a jig at this angle and you get to sharpening them. You realize this person's 25 degrees is not this person's 25 degrees. And you fit, you're like, okay, what do I do? And they're like, Oh, you just got to reset the angle. It's like, Oh, so I'm going to sit here for, you know, three hours per head and reset this angle by hand so that I can sharpen this thing again. No, that's that that's just not going to not going to work for me. Um, so t- tell me about the benefits of having the double bevel near the tip of that Omega arrowhead or broadhead as opposed to just having a single bevel head. So the mechanical advantage there is on the front with the double bevel up front, you're going to get penetration. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that first penetration. And then the single bevel on the backside of that is going to give you that rotation coming through. Um, it's totally Daryl's design on, on that side of things where, hey, I want to make sure that we penetrate in first, get through the skin, the hide and all that. And then we want to split that bone as we come in with that, with that bevel. Yeah. And open a bigger wound channel. Sure, sure. So they're kind of a of a hybrid head, really, when it comes to the single and double bevels. You're getting you're getting the best of of both worlds, really. Exactly. Yes. And what are the weights these heads come in? Right now, two hundred grains. Two hundred grains, man. But, that that's what I like but to hear. Be patient. Be patient. We're 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 gonna get those down for the guys that want that lighter stuff. It's it's coming. We're working on it. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. I like to shoot 200 grains. Last year, I dropped down to 150 and even shot some 125s out of necessity because it, 
like I said, the heads I ordered didn't come in, and so I'm scrambling. And if you don't know this, you can't go to Walmart and buy a 200-grain head. Um, you're, you're lucky <laughs> to find a 125 at your local Cabela's, right? Um, and so I just shot what I, what I had out of necessity. I did like around that 150-grain level, um, my trajectory was much nicer, you know, my shooting trajectory. I'm a, I'm a little guy. I got a 26-and-a-quarter-inch draw. You know, so very short draw. So uh, shooting a heavy arrow with a heavy broadhead. I like the 200 grains, but I'm kind of like, maybe I'll maybe I'll go down 50 to kind of flatten that trajectory out just a little bit. But, uh, well, tell more. Tell me more about what's, what's to come with the company. I mean, I think you guys have lots of plans and big stuff. And honestly, first of all, let me back up. How many heads do you have uh, in your offering right now? Because it looks like a ton. I think we're at what over 54. 60 skews. Okay. I think it's 60. It depends on the day and what I look count on. If I'm counting thumpers, if I'm counting field points, and I'm counting like it kind of goes up and down on how many things that we can offer. But yeah, it's right around that 60 range. Yeah. So you've got the thumpers, which are your small small game heads. When it comes yep. to your your you know hunting head options, do you have anything? You you have more traditional you know uh, three blade sort of what people would expect kind of the old the old muzzy style broadheads and that kind of thing walk me through some of your other maybe top sellers uh so we're gonna start we go all the way down to 100 grain double bevel vented um the the number one seller that's tracking this year is the 125 grain single bevel okay um we released that in the far early this year i can't remember how it's been a whirlwind january Um, yeah Yep, at ATA, right around ATA. So we released the single bevel 125. That's tracking number one. Believe it or not, the 150 single bevel is right behind that. Um, and then you get into like the three blade um, solid, like 125, 100s. Um, and then I have those those guys that are still shooting traditional side of stuff that like the 200, 300 that we're still often in a, a three blade single bevel, inch and a quarter cut, inch and a half, 300 grain. It's a monster. Um, so yeah, it just goes, and then we offer in um, 1045 steel, and then premium tool steel, um, stainless steel, <laughs> stainless steel vented. So we kind of we try to cross it for everybody that's looking for a broadhead. Yeah, and you're not. I mean, honestly, in the in the scheme of things, when you're talking about your broadheads, you're really not breaking the bank for people either. Like, no, we try to be right in there where you can afford them, and we, we keep telling people that we want to we want to be in the blue collar group, right? If you think you want something that's a good value and times are tough, and you, you don't have a ton of money to spend on accessories like this, we're the ones to go. And we're also not telling you. <clears throat> I think that's kind of one of the issues in the archery right now is if you're that light guy and that's all you make is a broadhead you write your narrative around, oh, light is faster, and I don't know what all the BS is that they try to mix up around that. Or if you're the FOC guy, that the only thing you make is the heavy end, you got that narrative about why everybody should be FOC. We're we what you're comfortable with. If that's what you like, if you like to be that 100 vented and your arrow setup's 390, 400, um, do that. That's not what I want to shoot. I want to shoot a little heavier, so we have the – I have a setup that has the 300s on it. I have a setup that's got the 150s. Now I got a setup that has the Omega on there. But we're not going to dictate what you what you got to shoot. The the key with with bow hunting is 
take out the variation, practice, 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 make sure you can make the shots. You know, if you're out West and you, you need to make a hundred yard shot, practice it, make sure you can hit them in the vitals, make sure you're ethical. If you're in the Midwest and it's 40 yards, same thing, use what you're comfortable with. We're not going to dictate to you. Now, if you call Ryan and say, Hey, I'm thinking about going higher FOC, we'd love to have that conversation. Or if you're saying, Hey, I'm too heavy. I think I'm dropping off. We'd love to have that conversation too, but we offer everything in there and you're not going to break the bank and you're not going to shoot at one and done. You're going to shoot it over and over and over. Yeah. And that, that to me is, is one of the, one of the huge benefits, um, you know, of, of, being able to reuse a broadhead. So last year, uh, I mentioned I switched over to some mechanicals. I shot some Grim Reaper broadheads, and they were for a mechanical. I, I don't, you know, if that's what you want to shoot as a mechanical, I, I think they're fine. Um, but you're definitely not using one again. Uh, it, it is one and done, and next thing you know, you know, you've gone through a season and you've spent 90 bucks, 100 bucks on broadheads, and then you got to do it right again. Uh, for for the next season, so do you think that's by accident? I mean, Jay, we know Jay. Jim Reaper's a great company. Jay's a great guy that owns that. But you know, we, there's other. I'm not saying it was Jay, but we have other mechanical companies come to us and say you need to you need to weaken your broadhead so they fail. You can make a lot more money doing that. And we just look at it and think, man, that's about as unethical as you can get, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and. I, I want to hear just a little bit, if if you can. I mean, obviously, I'm not asking for design secrets or anything like that. But because I was so disappointed in my first round of uh, trials with a, a single bevel head, not one from you guys, one from Grizzly Stick, uh, what is it that leads to that chatter and that failure on that edge uh, that, honestly, a lot of guys have experienced? I mean, as, as you can imagine, I talk to at least one person a week doing these podcasts, and that has been a consistent experience across the board with the exception of some guys that are using some really high end heads who are like, you know, over the moon about them. But a lot of folks have said the same thing. They, they come back and yeah, the head is still there and they could resharpen it, but you know, there's an eighth of an inch of a Nick, you know, that would just never, it's never going to come out. So what leads to that strength and durability on that edge that you guys have obviously uh, done a great job of honing in on? I'll take that one. Um, I think it it leads to like going to the drawing board and having more and more reiterations of in the research side of making sure that I can shoot through a femur. I can shoot through a, <laughs> and now when I say a femur, it's a cow femur. I just go to the local butcher and be like, hey, I need a bunch of femurs. Okay. Or shoulders. I can get pig shoulders. Like, hey, I want to, and then making sure I'm not shooting straight on, making sure I'm making those angles. And uh, whether it's a quarter and two or it's a quarter and way, and I want to make sure that no matter what, that that bevel is going to hold up and I'm not going to get that chatter. Um, it took a bunch of, I know with ours on our 35 degree bevel with our, um, the VPA brand, I guess the Omega is the VPA brand too. But, um, I guess what I'm saying is I know that that one's with that chisel point. I know it's not going to fail. Like it's been out on the market for a year and a half now. I've never had that issue with a chatter. A guy calling me like, Hey, I've got chatter. Hey, it's Nick. Hey, it's, I did have a guy shoot a grouse in a rock pile that that kind of destroyed the head, but still, you're going to have that issue when you shoot a grouse in a rock pile. Yep. But even with this, like with the, with the Omega, like we did that R and D behind it. That way we could say, Hey, this bevel at 25 and a half or 26 degrees is not going to fail. It's not, it shouldn't. And if it does call me, I'll send you another one 
because I did the testing or let me know like, Hey, I, I went into the dirt on a pass through. Sorry about that. Like, but if you got a kill, I'm still going to warranty it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So let's jump into something that I think does set you guys apart. Um, and I see more companies striving for this, but it's difficult. That's us manufacturing. I mean, everything you guys make is, is made right here in, in Indiana, correct? Absolutely. And it's not, you know, I, I hear that all the time. Oh, it's too hard. It's really not. It's mm-hmm. not hard. It's a choice that people make every day, right? If you go to Walmart and you buy your broadheads from Walmart, more than likely they're not made in the U.S. Right. And it's a choice as a consumer you make, whether you're buying your clothes or your car or whatever it is. And, you know, not everything I buy is made in the USA. I try to buy everything in the USA, but it, it's more about the jobs and putting people to work. And, you know, we've been blessed that, um, I'm not going to say this is a hobby. We like making money at it, but uh, taking care of the people is what's really important to us. And you'll hear us talk about that over and over and over in everything we do. And that's with our, our customers too, is we want to give them the best value they can get and be proud to say, Hey, this was made in the USA. And I don't, I don't think it's as hard as people want. I think the motivation is, monetary mm-hmm. you know it's cheaper to have some 10 year old in china stamp out your stuff and then bring it over here and brag about how it works but at the at the end of the day that's something we're super proud of it's and we're, we're we're very cost competitive too you know some of these chinese ones that you're looking at are 130 120 150 bucks a pack i think we're right there in the middle if not lower than the middle and giving you a, a well-built u.s made product Yep. Yeah. And I've heard the same thing uh, as I've talked with, you know, different manufacturers who maybe started out here and then outsourced some of their stuff. I'm thinking some of the, well, I won't, I won't even say what line they're in, but they make things that keep you from falling out of a tree. Uh, And so they started here, they're moving overseas to bring costs down and all this stuff because the critique has been that it's expensive. And they're like, you know, it's just so hard to do it here in the U.S. It's like, no, it's not. It's not hard. It's a money. It's a money thing. It. It's hard, maybe financially, and that's because you have to make the decision of I'm going to decrease the amount of money that comes into my pocket, and. But, that's not hard though. It's not difficult. It's not like oh, I just couldn't find anywhere to do it. It's just, you, you made a financial decision, you know, and and yeah. So maybe maybe we shouldn't disguise it as hard and just say you know what the bottom line didn't. That wasn't in the cards for us. We want a we want a better, better margin, and so we're moving. Like, just be honest, you know. Just just throw it out there. So, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about you know kind of your your values as a company. I want to hear what makes you guys tick. I think you know I'm convinced that you have high quality products. I see your pricing is is right there at what uh, a guy who does hunting stuff for a living. So uh, here I don't make a lot of money. Um, you're right there at a price point that that I like to see. Tell me a, a little bit more about what makes you guys as VPA tick. Like, what is going to help me uh, understand you better and understand your products better? Number one my is big one. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, I was going to go with my big one is integrity. Like, if I say I'm going to do something, that means I'm going to do it. Like, if you have an issue with our product, I'm going to be the one answering the phone. You're going to talk to me or Alex or Kellen. Like, we're going to answer the phone. Integrity is super important to us. 
Go ahead, Alex. I was going to say our... And I think the Jeff and Alex, too. Yep. Not only like what Ryan said, being ethical with our customers and our team, but also the ethical side of our designs. We want to build quality U.S.-made products that are going to be ethical when you go to use them. That's that's so important to us. That's awesome. On the design side, we've... You know, this year we had an interesting conversation with a customer saying, hey, um, somebody else come out with a broadhead just like ours. When, when Ryan talks about us designing things, we, t- we tell people, hey, here's a pitfall you're going to see, but we don't tell people how to make their broadheads. You bring it into us, we'll tell you if it's manufacturable, if we believe it's manufacturable. Um, we also stand back and say, is that an ethical killing device? Because that's what we're doing, right? We're taking God's creatures and we're going to we're gonna kill them to harvest them. Um, we want to make sure we do that ethical. But we don't go in and say, oh, you know, Fred's doing this and we do that for Fred and we'll do that for you. We don't do any of that. And we could, I mean, we could probably get a lot more people to come to us, but at the end of the day, that, that sets you back because then people don't trust what you're doing. We make a ton of broadheads for a bunch of other people that nobody knows about. And that's the way that we want to keep it. We have a machine shop. So like these people that have devices that keep you from falling out of trees, call us. That's what we do. We manufacture things in the U.S. with good U.S. labor, and we like to keep it that way. And that's what our claim to fame is, ethics in killing, ethics in business, ethics in how we handle ourselves. Um, And our testing facility is, I don't know if Ryan's got it over there or if he brought it today, but we usually have a bow or two at the shop, and we load the arrows up and the, the broadheads up, and we go out and start slinging stuff out the side of the building. And we, we actually test other people's arrows. We test other people's broadheads to figure out exactly what you're talking about. The chatter, we'll just beat the heck out of our own and everybody else's and say, all right, why did that fell? And just start dissecting those and say, all right, when we come up with our next iteration of the Omega or whatever it is, um, how do we design that out so that we've got good products that come out over and over? And we listen. I mean, call us, call Ryan, call Kellen, call me, call Alex. Tell us what your issues are, and we'll be honest with you. If it's something we think we can fix, we'll go after it. If, or if it's something you think can come to the market, we'll go after it. Love it. I love it. So, again, you guys manufacture a lot of stuff. You said that's what we do. So let's maybe talk about some of uh, what may be on the horizon for your company as a whole. Like, what what might we be seeing soon? You're, you're going to see the Omega come out and everything from a 125 i would like to say 100 but not sure we can get it to 100 yet but from a 125 all the way up to 300s um you might see us partner with some other people with some products coming out we've got a release that we're working on um our risers right now we have a 13 inch riser for traditional we're gonna go all the way up to 22 on that that's going out right now um and then we've you know when you think of Vantage Point, everybody thinks Vantage Point Archery, but we're, we're going out to we're going to have Vantage Point Outdoors, Vantage Point Armory, and Vantage oh, wow. Point Archery. So there's some some other things that are coming out that uh, probably won't give you a sneak peek, but you'll see it be Vantage Point but encompass more things. Awesome. Awesome. That's great to hear. Great to hear. Well, listen, we, we've covered the product, I think, pretty well. We've covered your company, I think, pretty well. But the bottom line is we are sitting here in late July and hunting season is right around the corner. So I want to hear a little more about what we've got for plans 
coming up this year? Does anybody have a, uh, a hunt that they're looking forward to, or is it going to be sticking around home? What's it, what's it going to look like? Like Jeff said earlier, I'm not allowed to leave. I got to stick back and take calls and no, I'm just messing with you. I think um, <laughs> we're partnering with, uh, we're partnered up with Trekking Outdoors. Um, we do a lot back and forth with them. Great guys, Chris Queen and his team of guys, just, they're great. Jeff and I are going to go on a hunt with them in Missouri. Is that right, Jeff? Missouri. Is that opening weekend? Yep, Missouri. Um, that's when we got on the books. Um, I know I'll make it down to Tennessee with a guy, um, some friends. For me, um, I'd like to go – man, I'd like to hit Arizona. Jeff and I have talked about doing that. Um, we'd like to hit that one this year. Do that in like um, – then I, Jeff – when would you when would you hit at Arizona? Is that for whitetails or t- January? No, January, February. Okay, yeah, yeah. For coos deer, whitetail. Yep. I mean, uh, or mule deer. Yep. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Just shooting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. just like shooting stuff. Yeah. Jeff, what about and you? I think Jeff can explain what he's doing. Yeah, I'm going. I think we're off the 15th to the 20th to Missouri. Then the week after that, I'm, my my dad's. Uh, Getting older, never t- harvest the elk. So I've got some elk tags in Utah. We're going elk hunting the last week of September. Then we're back in October. I think we're going down to Oklahoma with Jeff Johnston um, to hunt his ranch in Oklahoma. Then we've got the the hunt here in Indiana. Ryan's father-in-law has got some stuff in Kentucky that we'd look, and he's actually got a cabin that's side by side. No reason not to run down there and <laughs> shoot some deer. There you um, go. And then I know Seth from Sirius has invited us out to go hunting with him too. So I think we've got plenty. And then Joel Turner uh, threw out that we could go to was it Oregon or Washington, Washington and go hunt yep. with him. So yep. he was just out, did a class for us. And, you know, just hanging out with that guy is fun. So we're yeah. excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yep. a good dude. He's very intense, but he knows his stuff. Oh, smart. Yeah. And just. Another great ethical guy. Same with Jeff Johnson from Field Ethos. I mean, that's the other thing about this, and I think it's in every industry, but in this industry, if you really get in and start talking to the people that have, you know, I don't know how you say it, the ethics behind them, man, there's there's just some amazing people in this industry. Yep. Some amazing people and men, women, kids. I mean, it's it's a family sport. Yeah. That's exactly. Is a sport and get everybody out and get everybody do it. We did that Joel Turner thing and we had kids that were, I don't know, six, seven, eight to, you know, some 60, 70, 80 year old people shooting that. So, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. If you ever get the chance to do his clinic in person, it'd be great. He also has it online at shotiq.com. It was, yep. it was really great. great yeah. Guy. It's uh, it's really intriguing, and I'm I'm thinking about these kids with that kind of opportunity. I'm like, man, what would what would that even be like? You know, here I am, 36 years old, dealing with target panic, and it's like, what would that be like to be a six, seven, eight year old kid, and putting some of these concepts into practice, like learning it at that early of an age? I, I just feel like that would that would really set you up uh, set you up for success. So. Uh, it was intimidating, though. There was, <laughs> I got, there was probably about ten minutes there. I wanted to punch him in the nose, but other yeah. than that, it was, it was great. <laughs> well, it was a great time. This is like the Shot IQ infomercial going on now. Yeah. Well, I think I think he would say though, if you felt like you wanted to punch me in the nose, like I did my job. Absolutely like, true. He yep. he'd, he'd yeah. be like he'd be like, good. I, I nailed it. Then like that's that's what I wanted from you for for that period of time. You know, maybe not permanently like that, but but for that period of time at least. So 
I'm curious what what are what are you guys' favorite heads? Like, what will you be shooting this year from from your lineup? I'm sure you're going to be doing a ton of testing with a lot of different things. But if, but if I limited you and said you've got one head that you can use this season, needs to go with you everywhere. What's it going to be? Uh, I don't think it can't not be though, Mega, for me this year. I told Jeff I wanted to stay at that 150 range because that's kind of where my setup is. I'm going to mess around with my setup and probably go with the 200 Omega. If I'm out last man, I'm, I don't know, I, but I'm going to have to shoot the Omega. I want to shoot the Omega. Okay. I do. I'm excited to shoot it. All right. So do you go, do you go lighter when you're out West? <sighs> I tend to build, okay. I, I go, I do this, right? Like I get on the FOC and then I'm like, oh, I'll build something different. I'll go a little bit lighter. And then when it comes down to it, when you hit something with 200 grains, you can just hear it. Like yeah. it's super cool. <laughs> like yeah. just that thud and that whack. And like, I like that. I yep. do. Yep. What's your, uh, what's your total overall weight that, that you like to go with? You know, I hear that question from guys a lot and, and I went real heavy and then I scaled it back, but I didn't quite scale it back as far as some people like to go. But I think I've kind of settled on a weight range that for me just, just works. Um, so I'm curious where you landed. So, so where's your weight right now? What's that? Okay. So I'm just go go around. I was just. What's your weight right now? So Josh? my total total arrow weight right now is about 515 grains. With a 200 grain, I'm at 559. Okay, so that that's about so what? I'm pulling 70 pounds with. Yeah, I'm pulling 70 pounds with a 30 inch draw. Okay. So you've got a lot so of. So I think that, yeah, I got a lot of FOC. Yeah, I think it's right around, right around eight, probably that nineteen twenty. Okay. Yep. Very good. I've got a, I've got a, Matthews setup right now that Ryan laughs at, but I'm shooting the three hundred inch and a halfs on a, uh, victory rip. My total arrow setup's like 685 or something like that. Wow. You know, last, what do you shoot? He's throwing lawn darts down there. What do you shoot elk with that? I mean, it does make the, the whack, but then I've got a darting setup that's got a 150 on the other end, single bevel, and it's shooting tacks out there. And then I think I'm going to go buy a, a new bow now and set it up with the uh, – Omega on the end of it. I'll tell you though that we are working hard. That I don't know that we'll have them out in the middle of hunting season, but before the end of the year, you'll have what we're calling the ascender, which is a an extension of the Omega that'll come out, and it's you're going to love it, especially if you're one of those people shooting uh, outserts and collars and things like that. You'll like how this ends up being a one piece solution for all that. But it'll go from 125 all the way up to 300 excluding the twos maybe we'll make it in the two just so it helps strengthen the arrow but uh excluding the twos that's the omega so just keep your eye out we'll have a solution for everybody that's again that's what we're looking for we don't want to come out and say hey shoot our premium it only comes in foc weights we want to have a premium that covers everybody you know we won't go down to 50 75 grand yeah we'll, we'll get you a solution awesome Awesome. Well, guys, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. What I, what I would love to do 
you know, once you guys get out there and start getting on some of these hunts and start having a little bit of success, I'd love for you to hop back on with me, kind of update me on uh, your season and how, how these heads are performing. If folks want to catch up with you, find more from, from, uh, from you guys, where can they find you? vprtree.com is our website you can check out all our products and any events we've got going on basically everything there and then we're on all the social media platforms just search vpa or vantage point archery awesome much why don't you come out and go hunt with us instead of us sending you something go come out indiana we'll take you hunting and man let's go you tell me when <laughs> you you tell me when I, i'm ready let's go Hunting season starts first of October. Perfect. Ends the second week of January. So October. Let us know. Got it. Got it. I've actually I've got a Wisconsin trip uh, coming up this year as well. So uh, I'll already be heading uh, heading north. So yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Cool. Good deal. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. Everybody, go check out Vantage Point Archery. I think you're going to find something that you like. I know I'm excited to try these heads out this year. So. Uh, Again, appreciate it. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.